Well, Merry Christmas. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. On this, the night before Christmas, we will look at the story of Jesus' birth. And we're going to contrast the story of the innkeeper who kept Jesus out with the shepherds who came from the fields to receive him. The question is then presented to all of us. Where is Jesus for you this Christmas? Is he in or is he out? Thanks for joining us this Christmas Eve and for joining us in God's Word tonight. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, this past Thanksgiving, uh, we got to be re- reunited with some friends of ours that we worked with. And uh, while we were away uh, for so long, uh, our children, uh, Micah and Sadie, uh, used to love to play with their kids. And here there were some other friends that were gathered, and as we celebrated the Thanksgiving meal, and it turned to uh, time for pumpkin pie, and then the sitting around with the adults having a good time, all of the kids went off into the rooms and began to play a game of good old-fashioned hide-and-seek, right? Remember the good old time? Hide-and-seek, right? In the dark, turn off all the lights, the screaming and the yelling and the counting, and one by one they would take their turns coming out, covering their eyes, one, two, three, trying to count up. All the others would scurry about into the tightest, darkest corners you could find until they would shout out, you know the phrase, ready or not, there it is, that's right, ready or not, here I come. Uh, one One of the things that's interesting is that the winner was always the one who had the best hiding place. And so it was your goal not to be found. It was your goal to stay in the dark, to stay in the hidden area, in the darkness, such that you wouldn't be exposed by the light and no one would ever find you. And if you were keen enough and sometimes mischievous enough to find a place where you shouldn't be hiding, you might win the game. And yet the call would still ring out, ready or not, here I come. As we look to the Christmas season, as we even saw this morning, The advent of our Lord Jesus Christ comes to people who themselves are not really ready for it. I remember some friends of mine saying, well, we'd like to have children, but we're going to wait till we're ready. Yeah, folks, let me tell you, you're never ready. When the baby comes, ready or not, here they come. And Christmas time is the advent of a baby, but not just any baby. God himself comes wrapped in the flesh that you and I share. Humanity, 100%. Very man as he is, even very God. This, however, for us is something that we celebrate in the past. The proclamation of Christmas is for us the great hope for God has provided a way such that we can be reunited with him. But it's not the end of the story. For hear me tonight, the Christmas message is this. Jesus is coming again, ready or not. I've entitled the message this morning very simply that, ready or not. And I'd like to look very briefly at the story for one character in particular who goes very often unmentioned. It is the innkeeper. You don't hear too many sermons about the innkeeper. In fact, he doesn't show up by name, only by deed. As we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, it says in verse 7, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. For there was no room for him in the inn. No room for Jesus. No room for the Messiah. No room 
for God to come and invade the place where this innkeeper kept his business. I thought about this for a while. What could it be that caused this innkeeper to just leave Jesus there out in the cold? I wonder what may be going through his emotions, through his mind. And so it causes me to ask this question. Is Jesus in or out? That's the question. Is Jesus in or is he out? You see, for the innkeeper, it was more convenient to keep Jesus just out of uh, out of the way, maybe more at arm's reach, still there, but not anywhere invading his life or uh, invading his business. We're not left with any solid reasons from Scripture, and so we're left to speculate. But in doing so, I'll offer a few things that I think may have been reasons why the innkeeper left Jesus out. Number one, it might have been inconvenient. Jesus shows up, and many times it's not at the time that we would like. I can remember as I served overseas, there were many students who knew the gospel. They attended church with their parents, but as they got older, they stopped attending. We'd ask the question, why don't you want to get serious about God? Why not come and be part of the fellowship of the body of the believers, his family? And their answer, strangely, was a broken record that we heard over and over. You know what I'd like to I'd like to, but I will get serious about God later. I'll get serious about God later in life. See, Jesus comes at a time for the innkeeper when it's not convenient. The innkeeper would have to adjust his plans. He'd have to change his agenda. Or maybe it's this. Secondly, there's simply not enough room. It may have just been that. In fact, this is what our text would lead us to believe. That part of the problem was ultimately not enough square footage. Maybe that was the problem. Had he built a bigger inn, wouldn't have been a problem. What's that mean, though, for the life of those who invite Jesus? At an arm's distance? Or how do our lives look? How full is your life? Well, if you have kids, that means you've got soccer games and ballet practice and you've got school programs and summertime is full. Or if you're retired, it means you finally have time for all the traveling and all of the hobbies. And so that's not the right time. Again, it's inconvenient. But ultimately, as like the innkeeper, perhaps there's just not enough space. Perhaps there's just not enough room for Jesus. Well, maybe it wasn't those things. Maybe it was too costly. You know, the innkeeper has bills to pay, mouths to feed, and he's got paying customers ready to pay their fare for the room. Well, we don't know this, but maybe Mary and Joseph didn't have what was required to foot the bill for one night's stay. Maybe it was too costly for him. Paying customers, they're the ones that have the priority. And you know, very much like we find in our day, Jesus might come in a fashion that would cause us to have to let go of something else we might value more. There may, in fact, need to be an exchange that's made for to welcome Jesus, to really bring him in, it might be costly. Well, if it wasn't any of these, perhaps it was simple ignorance. Had the innkeeper known who this was? Well, I didn't know. We would have, we would have prepared the best room had I known that this was the Messiah. He didn't know that this was God come wrapped in flesh. Had he known that, perhaps he would. And I find that today, even many people have that excuse as well. That there's no room for Jesus. He remains outside of our lives simply because they don't recognize their need for a Savior. Oh, they know it, 
They understand sin is real, but we live in a world that makes sin look all too acceptable, all too welcoming. And because of this, we're left with a willful ignorance, a denial of what we know to be true, that we are indeed in need of a Savior. Maybe it wasn't ignorance. Maybe it was simply that he just wasn't interested. He had better things to do. It'd be nice to have Jesus come and stay here, but I have more pressing matters, more important things I need to get at. Maybe that's why Jesus was kept out in the cold, in a place where the innkeeper didn't have to adjust his schedule, didn't have to change any of his plans. The the stables, out where the animals are kept, that's a good place for Jesus to stay. I'm not interested. Or maybe lastly, he's simply unwilling to change because Jesus demands too much. When God comes and knocks on the door of your heart, he doesn't want a portion of your life. Jesus is not interested in a percentage of your heart. If you have a weed growing in your garden, it will do you no good to prune off a leaf here or a branch there. You need the whole thing rooted out. This is what Jesus wants with your life. He doesn't want you to offer him just a portion, just a branch, just a leaf, just one component of your life where it's convenient for you to keep Jesus. He wants all of you. Everything. 100%. There's another character. In fact, character is mentioned in our story. And I like briefly just to contrast them with the innkeeper. Again, as we don't know what the innkeeper was thinking or why ultimately Jesus was kept out, we do, however, know the response of the shepherds. Our story tells us in chapter 2, verse 8, that they were living out in the fields that were nearby keeping watch over their flocks by night. Jesus is born and the angel appears to them. And the shepherds, they change their plans. To welcome Jesus, to really let him enter in, means their plans were changed. Now the purpose of a shepherd is to keep watch over the sheep. And there are predators who mainly hunt at dusk or by night, and yet this is the time the angel shows up. Now, if you're a shepherd, your job's on the line. And yet it says that they changed their plans. Verse 15 records these words. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go and see. They didn't say, Let's stay and wait. They changed their plans. To let Jesus enter in means that their, cha- their plans needed to be changed. Secondly, they left all of their valuables. In fact, this is what it says in verse 16. So they hurried off. Now, you can't hurry with sheep. Can't do it. Uh, sheep are dumb and slow, and it would take a long time, and the Bible says they hurried off. So we know without a doubt, what did the shepherds leave behind? They left behind everything. They left behind their livelihood, their valuables, the things that they treasured most of all. For you got to remember in this day and age, having animals, having livestock made you a wealthy individual. So not only do they change their plans, but they leave it all. They leave everything behind. You may hear the call echoing from Jesus to the disciples as he calls out to Peter and to Andrew, Come, follow me. And what do Peter and Andrew do? 
Do they pack up their tackle box and carry it with them on their backs? No, it says they leave their nets and their boats behind. They left their valuables. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be one who welcomes Him in, means that they leave it all. Next, we see that Jesus becomes their main priority. Look at verse 17. says these words, When they had seen Him, they spread the word. How cool is that? When they saw Jesus, they couldn't keep it to themselves. Now, I'm not a shepherd. I don't even really know what shepherds would talk about. Perhaps the newest form of shearing technology. I'm not sure what would entertain their time as they would spend their times out in the fields, but as they meet God come in the flesh, as they meet this gift given by God, they have one story to tell. Their main priority becomes the testimony of this child. So no longer are they sharing whatever stories they used to tell, whatever adventures they may have had. Now they tell a single story, that which they have heard Which teaches us this next thing, that they now have a new understanding. Verse 17 continues with this. They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. The context of their understanding has now shifted as well. You see, the shepherds are no longer the same. They have been told a great truth. One that has been foretold by the prophets, but now they hear from the angels and they see with their eyes. God has come. He has made His dwelling among us. They have a new priority. And they have a new understanding. Additionally, they shared this good news with excitement. It wasn't a a passive, blasé, take it or leave it kind of message. No, they shared with anticipation and excitement for what they had just seen. In verse 18, the words recorded are this, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. There was an energy. There was an urgency. There was an excitement in their message. For they had found the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Finally and lastly, we see that these shepherds, in welcoming Jesus, were no longer the same, but they were now transformed our story ends with them recording this phrase the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising him for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told the shepherds weren't the same there was a change they didn't go back to their fields just to watch sheep anymore they now went back to work glorifying God. They now punched the time clock singing His praises. They could not be the same ever again. Do you see the difference? Again, we don't know with certainty the way the innkeeper responded, but we know simply this. There wasn't enough room for Jesus. There was enough room over there, but not where it would cause a level of commitment on the innkeeper's part. No change was required by the innkeeper. But for the shepherds, everything changed. They were never the same again. One misconception that comes at Christmas time is hearing the message of the angels in verse 14 as they declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom God's favor rests. 
We like that. We like to hear it, but I'm afraid we don't completely understand it. The Word of God is not contradictory, so what it says in one place needs to be taken within the whole. And Jesus' own words, as He enters into His ministry, become one that we often don't preach. But I want you to hear it this evening. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 says these words, So everyone who acknowledges Me before men, I also will acknowledge before My Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. It's at this point that we often find there to be a conflict here with the message of Christmas. For doesn't Jesus come to bring peace? Is he not called the Prince of Peace? What we must understand is the peace that Jesus brings is one that is found between you and God. The peace that Jesus brings is one where God no longer stands over you as the judge where his wrath would be poured out. For we must understand God is a God of perfection. And he lives and dwells in inapproachable light. Light by which would burn away anything that does not Meet his level of righteousness and perfection, which would include all of us. And yet to welcome Jesus, though you have peace with God, means you may in fact not have peace with mankind. Listen as we continue with Jesus' words. He says in verse 35, For I have come to set man against father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The message of Christmas, it is a message of peace. But it's a transformative kind of peace. It's a peace where you no longer find yourself in conflict with God. And for many of us, as we come to Christmas, we recognize that Jesus in the manger is a place where we'd like to keep Him. We like Him in the manger. He's at arm's distance. He doesn't invade our lives. He doesn't require any more of us than singing a few hymns and coming to church on Sunday. But that's not what Jesus wants of you. Jesus wants all of you. And in the same way that all of us would find that our sin causes us to hide, it causes us to want to remain in darkness, the truth of the good news of the gospel, the truth of Christmas, is that Jesus comes to bring light. And in the exposing of all things, forgiveness is found, for God has given His one and only Son For you. In the garden, Adam and Eve were found with sin. Do you remember the story? They both rebelled against God. They ate as they were told not to. And they immediately found that shame was becoming of them. And so what did they do? Do you remember? What did they do? They hid. And God comes walking in the cool of the day, making his way through the garden. 
the words weren't on his lips, but they, were, they might as well have been there. Ready or not, here I come. And Adam and Eve, they hide. You see, God is inescapable, unapproachable perfection. He is light. And anything that is exposed to the light of God will not be able to stand. Christmas time would find for us that the light spreads and it invades all that we are. This is what we celebrate tonight, even as the passing of the candles spread throughout this auditorium. I want you to know the love of Jesus Christ wants to penetrate your heart, not just a portion of it, but all of it. He calls you to come out of dark places, He calls you to come out and find forgiveness. On that day of judgment, for He is coming again, the Lord will come with blazing fire and light. And do you know what I'm going to do on that day? I'm going to hide. (laughs) I'm going to hide like Adam and Eve, but I'm not going to hide behind a tree. Instead, I am going to hide behind Jesus Christ. For God has taken the punishment of all mankind and He has placed it upon His one and only Son, this gift offered to us at Christmas. So you and I, we can hide, but we don't hide in darkness. The gift of Christmas is this, church. You now have opportunity to hide in the light. To hide behind Jesus. He is coming again. Amen? He is coming again. Ready or not, he's coming again. Let's pray.